Holy Hour of Power, the Amen. Terry and Jesse show, two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. I'm reporting for duty, Terry. What about yes, you? Yes, I'm reporting for duty. And, and man, I'm telling you, my duty is full of a lot right now. Uh, yep. I just, <laughs> sure is. I, I, well, you know what, Jess, I got to tell you, uh, and I'll tell our listeners, I want to thank our listeners. We had over 2 million views just on social media in the last 14 days. And that doesn't happen wow. unless people, wow. you know, like what we're doing, Jess. And I want to thank all those listeners. And if you're listening and you, you want to support what we're doing, go to our website. Find out more about what conferences and all the things that we have to offer. Um, we have uh, a great way of – we're actually coming up with a new thing. Jess hasn't even heard this one. I met with Father Charles Murr, who does a show every other week with us. We're now going to have his mass once a week on VMPR on the website wow. where people are going to hear him uh, preach and say Holy Mass. And he does the Trinitine Mass, a very reverent mass from Spain. And I've never said publicly where he went, but yeah, he's in Spain. And uh, we're going to partner with Father Murr uh, to let him preach to our listeners. And uh, they, we've had such a positive response from people. They love having him on our radio show. So now we're going to have him have a, a, a weekly mass that people can watch on YouTube for us. So, that's Terry, you got You have. I mean, you really got an all-star lineup. You got. <laughs> you got America's bishop on VMPR. Yeah. You got America's priest on. Yeah. Doing the Tridentine mass and yeah. coming on per, per almost every week yes. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We we've got people that uh, are, will stick their neck out, Terry, and speak the truth in charity, come what may. Yep. Amen, brother. Well, we're going to talk about today about a superintendent who just lays it out to his uh, fold to say, look, we're not going to abuse our children, not on my watch. So it was really inspiring to hear that. Also, uh, this article from the American Mindset, The Long March Through the Soul. What's that about? Well, it's basically what happened in the last 50, 60 years and how we've lost our soul, but how we can get it back is obviously through Jesus Christ. And then our friend Jim Caviezel in, in the movie A Sound of Freedom uh, I got to tell you, we're going to play a segment Monday from Jim Caviso calling us out in the sense of the liberal uh, mindset that's out there in the culture and undermining cr sound Christian teachings. It was a great show with Jim Caviso on Monday, but we're going to talk about a priest debunking claims that Sound of Freedom is a political and calls all to watch it. And he ties it into the protection of human life. I mean, if you can kill a baby, why not abuse the baby when they're four or five years old? Exactly. That's why, that's why the left is going crazy. I'll exactly. tell you why. Because this movie, yeah. as they say in a shooting range, you're right over the target. <laughs> that's right. And, and they know that a lot of these people that are speaking out against it, saying, oh, this is QAnon, this is fake. They're guilty of this. They know about this. Yeah. Their friends are involved in this. They may be involved in this. That's right. Their political parties involved it's that in that big, Jesse. Yeah, and, and so this is why this movie, Sound of Freedom, got too close to this international diabolical yep. uh, child human sex trafficking ring. We thought it just ended with when Epstein committed suicide or when they killed him. Yeah. No, Epstein's island is just a microcosm. That's just that's just a dot on the entire map of the world of thousands of Epstein Islands that are doing that right now. And Jim Caviezel, Eduardo Verastegui, Alejandro Morteverde, they, uh, they, uh, they basically hit a bullseye with this movie. Well said. Before we get to the good news, I want to also mention Need to Know File. 
Uh, Jesse, Kansas judge rules driver's licenses must state actual sex, not gender identity. Hey, you know what, Jesse? The next thing we're going to come out with a pronouncement. Jess, we have determined that the sky is blue. I mean, it's so obvious that we, but we're spending time on such ridiculous things. That's because when we are a very sinful culture, it makes you stupid. You can't figure out the difference between a man and a woman. Next one. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who I've heard good things, is set to sign a six-week abortion ban approved by the legislature. That's this, Saturday, this Friday. That's going into effect, so it's going to make it even more difficult to kill unborn babies. Jess, what about you? Yeah, a couple things uh, I want to mention yep. is uh, there's a rapper by the name of 50 Cent. Okay. okay. His his real name is Curtis James James Jackson. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's at a conversion. He's now, he's now a Protestant evangelical. Good for him. But, but 50 Cent, who's a huge, iconic figure with young people, yep. he recently said that the Los Angeles uh, decision to to reinstate its zero bail policy said the city's going to be adversely effective and 50 cent, this huge iconic musician and self-described born again, Christian. He said L a Los Angeles is finished adding watch how bad it gets out here. Close quote. Now this guy, this guy was one of the thugs back then in his day. Well, he knows. Yeah. And so he knows because he knows all the gangs. He grew up in, in, in the black gang culture, and he's saying, you guys have no idea how bad it's going to get. Uh, so this is from somebody, Terry, I mean, who was part of the culture of death. He's now kind of switched jerseys, and he's now on the other. He's, he's trying to become part of Team Jesus to the best of his ability. Yeah, well, he should know, Jesse. Let's face it. Anything else, brother? Uh, yeah, Terry, just uh, the, the, another thing that I want to mention is that uh, Biden is launching an LGBT training series Unbelievable. Uh, for uh, th- this is part of his agenda. Uh, so there's an agency, the U- the Department of Health and Human Services. They're launching a L. Why do we have to be trained in sodomy? I don't understand that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing that uh, I think is would be, is very interesting that's happening is the. FBI Director Christopher Wray, he offered no apology for his agency's controversial decision to target uh, conservative parents who protested (laughs) radical racial and sexual bias curriculum at school board meetings. Here's what he said, quote, I think the FBI conducted itself the way it should here, said Christopher Wray. Uh, He says there's no he goes, there was no compelling nationwide law enforcement justification for Attorney General Merrick Garland's memo. Uh, calling on the FBI to surveil parents who attended the school board meetings. Wow. So, Terry, they're, they're, these guys, they're just doubling down on stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Well, let's, out of stupidity, let's get some soul food, the gospel that sets us free. Yes, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. <clears throat> Today's gospel mm-hmm. is Matthew, the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus said to his disciples, as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. I, I noticed something there, Terry. That it doesn't say anything about like global warming or, how about, how or, about, uh, or gun your, control. What about uh, saving the plastic bottles? Is that in there? 
No, none of that's in there, Terry. All, all the things that need, they seem to be being pushed by, by the sin of the sinodality, exactly. they're not mentioned in the no, gospel. No. It goes on to say, without cost you have received, without cost you are to take, you are to give. No. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts. No sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals or walking stick. Well, maybe the U.S. bishops that are swimming in millions of dollars of federal congressional Democrat legislation, maybe they should read today's verse and take it to heart. Yeah. Because the U.S. bishops are drowning in federal money. That's true. But, but Jesus says quite the opposite there. Then he says, the labor deserves his keep, whatever town or village. Yeah. You know, I've, I've preached at some parishes. They've given me at the end of two or three days preaching my little heart out, yeah. bag of oranges. <laughs> I say nothing. I go, I take my bag of oranges, go to the airport, a uh, bag of potatoes. Uh, I, they give me a box of like two dozen burritos. Oh, yeah, I can tell you. Uh, the, yeah, a labor does deserve its wages. I When somebody does, yeah, some some people I preach all week and they don't give me nothing. I just go back to the airport and, and, and go home. A labor does, you know, whatever God wants to give me, I'm cool with that. I'm not expecting federal money from the Democrats to support the Romero household. Then it says here. <laughs> As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the the day of judgment than for that town, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesse, that last statement, isn't that a little shaky? I mean, shouldn't that shake us up? Yeah, this whole, that statement about, you know, shake the dust off your feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a, a Jewish way of saying, okay, you're rejecting the truth. I'm out of here. Yeah. But when Jesus Christ said that, shake the dust off your feet, yeah. the, uh, the Jews at the time of Christ, they knew that to shake the dust from your sandals that's something that you did when you left Gentile territory and you re-entered the Holy Land. It was indicating that you're saying, I just was on dirty, profane ground, but now I'm coming to holy ground again. So that action, it was a derogatory statement against the uncleanness of Gentiles and pagans. And so our Lord Jesus Christ demands that we as Christians uh, do a similar gesture to signify judgment on those who reject the gospel. Um, I have to admit, I haven't done that yet, but boy, oh boy, I've had the opportunity with a lot of families and friends who have kind of completely rejected the gospel. Maybe I should call for some apostolic courage that I can do that. Can I tell you, I'm going to tell you a quick story, Jesse, when we come back from the bank before we do Bishop Sheen, that uh, I was a young man and something like that happened to Father Ron Tangen, who's, God rest his soul, he died years ago, but he was a zealous Catholic priest and he applied this gospel to what we did up in upstate wow. New York. You're going to love the story because it really it really will make you laugh. That's what we're about. We want to help you with through storytelling like our Lord did to help you fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us. You won't want to miss the Father Ron's story that could inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his bride, the church. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess just read the gospel for today. Talking about knocking the dust off your feet. Well, back in 1979, I was in a monastery at a Franciscan monastery in Marytown, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Father Ron Tangen 
uh, who published all the St. Alphonsus books back in the 70s and 80s. I went with him. I got permission to go do a mission with him out of upstate New York. And uh, here's the fun story. He was preaching on the Fatima message about the existence of hell. And the Jesuits there were quite liberal. And I was recording Father Ron, and the Jesuit priest came to the side of the church where I was recording and said, shut the microphone off. He's done. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know how to do that. I don't, it's not me. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so the priest, the Jesuit, ran out into the side of the altar, grabbed the mic from Father Ron Tangan, and told everybody, the mission is over, go home. And then the Jesuit promptly told Father Ron to pack up his books and get out of Dodge. So we packed it up. I was like, wow, I was scandalized. I was just a young 20-some-year-old. And so I put them all in the van, and we're driving down the road to go put our books in a in another uh, in a in a garage, not a garage, in a uh, uh, farmer's um, farm. So we put it there and for storage. And he said, "Well, we got to go to the next parish now." And I thought, "Well, what are we going to do?" He says, "This is the gospel. We're living it out. They don't want to hear it. They're going to shoo us away." So I say this. That was forty some years ago, and uh, that gave me uh, really good formation to expect that when you preach the truth. Certain people are not going to want to hear it. All right, Jess. Hey, let's get Fulton Sheen in here, the smartest guy in the world. Full Sheen ahead. He says this, Jess. He says about the final form of hatred of religion is a wish to defy God and to maintain one's own evil in the face of his goodness and power. Jesse, that's going on right now. This was written 50-some years ago. He said the final form of hatred of religion is the wish to defy God. They want to defy God right now, our whole culture does, and to maintain one's own evil. Yep, kill unborn babies, do whatever we want, in the face of his goodness and power. So expect persecution when we preach the gospel. Yeah, Terry, uh, talk, about, talk about defying God. Yeah. We even have uh, Pope Francis uh, just elevated a bishop to cardinal who's yeah. going to be running the World Youth Days, and uh, he's saying that uh, we should not... Be be evangelizing young people and bringing them to Christ. Yeah, see that. Don't bring young people to Jesus. Says this cardinal. Is this microphone on. Who was elevated to that post by Pope Francis? Yeah, that's just scandalous. Well, that's exactly what you're talking about right yeah. now. The enemies of the church are inside the church yeah, right now. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. If you don't believe it, just l open your eyes and see what's going on. All right, yep. brother, let's get to our video. Tell us a little bit of preface up about yeah. the superintendent. This this is a brave, a, just a brave superintendent. And I wish all superintendents would be just like this gentleman. Uh, he's uh, he's responding very eloquently to his pride critics because they're, uh, uh, he doesn't buy into this. And so he's saying that we're putting too much emphasis on this pride for our students. Yep. And he says, uh, you know, sexual orientation uh, doesn't define our students. So I want you to hear this. It's about a three minute oh, a clip. And, and th this is the way all of our, all of our public school superintendents around the country should sound. Oh, you don't have it. Hang on a sec. Mr. Richard, uh, the engineer does not have it. I don't know why that is, but, but okay. Jesse, why don't you describe because. Yeah. So what, what you're going to see is you're going to see a school superintendent who's, who's very eloquently, he's going to tell all his pride critics, he's going to tell them this, you're placing too much focus on students' sexual orientation. It actually reduces them. He says this, 
Our students are so much more than that. They are talented artists, athletes, scholars, musicians, builders, writers, inventors, performers, and innovators. And we need to celebrate the totality of their existence. In other words, Terry, the school superintendent has a boatload of common sense. Oh, yeah. As, as Catholics, again, we don't, uh, we don't celebrate sin. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins. In fact, that's the sin of Satan. And so as Catholics, we don't celebrate anger or lust or gluttony or, uh, you know, <laughs> sloth or envy. We don't celebrate. We're ashamed of those things. We go to confession when we fall into those vices. Exactly. They're called vices, vices. They're not virtue, virtue or holy habits. Yep. And so, uh, Terry, I think there's, I don't think this guy's by himself. I think there's other people oh, yeah. that, that have this type of common sense. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I just thank God that, that uh, there are amazing superintendents like him around the country. And there's also amazing teachers like him around the country. And if, if, uh, unless Mr. Engineer has a clip, I, li- I, I can share with you about All this. Right, let me, Mr. Engineer, do we have the clip? He's working on it. Continued, yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the what's the purpose of education? Think about this. Mm-hmm. Here's what Archbishop Fulton Sheen told us yep. in his book, Life is Worth Living, page 157. This is the purpose of education. Here it is. Quote, the purpose of education is training in the right use of freedom. Close quote. Right. Training in the right use of freedom. In other words, we all have free will, but it has to be formed the intellect must be formed with the word of god the intellect must be formed by the word of god and the catholic faith according to our state and life and so if it's not formed it's going to be malformed or deformed or uninformed or misinformed and you're going to fall into all kinds of not only thinking errors like this cardinal that's running world youth day but you're going to run into all kinds of behavioral errors Terry, I remember a story that was, that our friend Father, uh, from the Fathers of Mercy, Father, Father Bill uh, Casey. Father Bill Casey, thank you. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the talks that he gave. He was comparing school, the public school system, at his has at his day and age. Yes. Versus, I mean, this is one of the early family conferences. So it was like right. It was like right in the early nineties. Yes. So he said, "Here's what he said. Yeah. In 1958." There was a survey of high school principals, uh, and they asked this question. What are the main problems amongst your students? In 1958, the high school principal said the number one problem in our schools is, number one, uh, students not doing their homework. Number two, not respecting property like throwing books around. Number three, leaving lights on and doors and windows open in the classroom. Number four, throwing spitballs in class. Number five, running through the hallways. Okay, so the same question was asked, Terry, 30 years later in 1988. There was another survey that was asked. This is 88, okay? I can imagine what it is now. now. Yeah, so the answers in 88 of high school principals about what are the main problems in your high schools in 1988, 30 years later, they said the number one problem is number one, abortion. Number two, HIV, STDs, and AIDS. Number three, rape of students and rape of teachers. Number four, 
open drug use in school. Number five, fear of violent death, murder, knives, and guns in school. Jess, let me I can imagine, Terry, imagine if they do that survey right now in 2023. Oh, you're kidding me. Give me a break. Mr. Engineer has the clip. Let's play that clip now. Yeah, yeah. I will defend students and defend against anything contributing to the sexualization of students. I will never condone any behavior or any decision that promotes the sexualization of children in this district. And I make no qualms about it. That's why, as superintendent, I do not support the district giving students access to graphic images of sexual acts being performed or reading books that teach students how to set up accounts on apps designed for casual sex hookups. I do not support having images in our libraries that are so lurid that even newspapers and media outlets aren't permitted to publish them because they violate FCC guidelines. It's why, as superintendent, I've reported employees who sexualized children to our district attorney because no student, regardless of how they identify or whom they love, should be subjected to sexualization by their school district or any of its employees. And it's why, as superintendent, I will never support the distribution of sex paraphernalia to students at any age or any orientation, at a prom or any event. And my stances on these issues have absolutely nothing to do with the sexual orientation of students or with politics for that matter. They have everything to do about basic propriety. And my beliefs don't make me a hate monger, contrary to what is being bantered about in this community. And they certainly don't make me anti-LGBTQ. And they don't place me in a crusade against literacy, and they certainly don't equate me with hurting students. Placing so much focus on student sexual orientation actually reduces them. Our students are so much more than that. Mm. They are talented artists, athletes, scholars, musicians, builders, writers, inventors, performers, and innovators. And we need to celebrate the totality of their existence. And because I hold these beliefs as superintendent, I've been maligned, I've been misquoted, I've been lied about, I've been filmed in board meetings, and then those turn into TikToks defaming me publicly. I've been shredded in social media daily, defamed in political cartoons by a local artist. I've been castigated in countless newspaper articles. I've been accused of subscribing to partisan politics. And I've had my actions equated with the tenets of Nazism by one of my own bosses. Wow. Despite that, I'm going to continue to support every student in this district from sexualization, regardless of your orientation. It's what should be expected of anyone in education, especially a superintendent. And it's what I will continue to do on behalf of every child in this district. I stand up and and applaud that man. And at his exit interview, Jesse, I bet that'll come up because I'm telling you, for him to make a stand like that, and take the heat, that's a man's man. Terry, uh, this, and, and again, it goes to show you that 
outside the Catholic Church, yeah. even though people have an imperfect understanding of the gospel, right. there are men of goodwill and uh, the grace of God in, in some way, because of their simple faith, their baptism, uh, their prayer life, the relationship with Christ, they do receive some grace. And we see it here. Some of these, I don't know if this guy's Catholic or not, but he's, def, he's definitely demonstrating heroic virtue. Uh, I mean, you can't, this is nothing less than a, this guy's standing, Terry, yeah. against the entire teachers, national, federal, yeah. the federal teachers I union. It. I love it. And, you know, he's really using natural law, too. Yeah. Nothing he's saying yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense. Hey, Jess, we're going to hear the music. We're going to come back with our next topic. I hope yeah. you yeah. show that video to any of your educators, mom and dad. Please do, because that should inspire them. When we come back, the long march through the soul and a ravaged post-Christian landscape of faith and family. What happened? We'll cover it when we come right back, and we'll get the solution. Stay with us, man. Yep. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess, I wanted to mention something you talked about and how crazy things are in the church with the, uh, with the uh, World Youth Day leader uh, saying crazy things about we're not trying to convert people. Well, this is why we need to be praying for the church, but there's one bishop who calls these people out. and I, have, I did the show yesterday with Bishop Joseph Strickland. It'll play on Tuesday of next week. But he called out <coughs> Archbishop Fernandez, and this is the bishop that... The Holy Father is putting in charge of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. He said this about a blessing of same-sex so-called marriage. He said, now, if a blessing is given in such a way that it does not cause that confusion, it will have to be examined and verified. As you will see, there is a point where we leave a purely theological discussion and move on to the question that is more prudential and disciplinary. So he's talking about blessing same-sex marriages. Now, Here's, here's Bishop Joseph Strickland in Tyler, Texas, implementing Vatican II, which is where the bishops uh, share in that universal call to evangelize the church, not just in your diocese. He says to Archbishop Fernandez, you need to read Genesis 19, 15 to 29. <laughs> the Lord God rained down so first, uh, fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he says, and read Romans 1, pray and this is a bishop right now. He says, pray that he returns to the Catholic faith. He's calling out one of his brother bishops. Now, Jesse, I think that's charitable for one bishop to call out another bishop when he wavers and goes off the deep end. And this is what's happening. And again, people, let's pray for Bishop Strickland because he's being persecuted because he hasn't let up on the pedal just because he's on investigation. <laughs> no, he's hitting hard. You know why? It's the truth. And, folks, if you go to our website, vmpr.org, we have a, a T-shirt we're promoting. Jess is going to get it next week when he comes into town. I'm going to be wearing <laughs> mine when I get mine. He says, I stand with Bishop Strickland. And why? Because he's being persecuted for doing things like that. Now, I have to ask myself, what was wrong with him correcting a brother bishop? That's charity. Go ahead, Jess. Well, that's that's what they're supposed to do, to Terry. It's called uh, in the spiritual works of mercy, paragraph twenty four forty seven. It's called uh, instructing the ignorant and counseling go. the doubtful. There you go. So this is this is something that's part of uh, Catholic, uh, uh, you know, the spiritual works of mercy. Yeah. And, and by the way, the spiritual works of mercy, people don't realize they they're they're higher 
than the corporal works of mercy. A lot of people just That's a good talk point. about the corporal works of mercy, and they're important. Don't get me wrong, but when when it comes to the to the hierarchy of the of the supernatural, the spiritual works of mercy, it's more important to feed the soul than it is to feed the body. The body's going to die. The body's going to get buried. The body's going to decompose. And this is what the left doesn't understand, Terry. They have it inverted. For them, the corporal works of mercy supplant the spiritual works of mercy. And I the just gospel, want to get that in there. Very good, because the gospel says, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. There you go. Be afraid of those who are going to kill you, can kill your soul. But you see, Jesse, that principle for the last 50 years has not been implemented. So this is why guys like us... Joe Sixpack, common sense. Read the gospel, man. It's almost like I'm saying, read the gospel. It's there. Go ahead, Jess. Okay. Uh, the, the Long March Through the Soul. Here's a good article. Yeah. It's by Noel Merring. We've had her on before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Many conservatives have been cut off guard by the acceleration of the woke movement over the last few years. The onslaught feels to them like an ambush when it's actually been a long march through the institutions. The phrase long march refers to the strategic subversion of Western society by the patient installation of revolutionary ideology in our institutions of power, K-12, schools, universities, courts, media, popular culture, art, and corporations. Well, I'll tell you in the Catholic school, by, by the Jesuits taking control of all education, yeah. uh, and they're woke at this point. They're, oh, not, they're not Ignatius of Loyola. No. This is how our education has been subverted yeah. uh, by these Marxists because these, these Jesuits are Marxists at this point. Also, it talks, the article talks about popular culture, art, corporations, uh, courts. Uh, the courts have been subverted by George Soros. He's been funding the campaigns of a lot of woke Marxist uh, prosecutors DA, and putting them in major cities. Yeah. So, so that, that one sentence, boy, you could just do a whole show on that one sentence. Yeah. goes on to say, but although the long march targeted institutions of power, their capture was not the final goal. Instead, the end game was to colonize the hidden life of the human person. The great triumph of the upheaval we are now undergoing is the undoing of the soul. Yes. This is their goal. And Nailed it. They want us to die with a dark soul separated from God. We call that immortal sin and go to hell. That's what they want. Hey, Jesse, like, let me just yeah. jump in. This is not new. You remember when Al Capone... Uh, would murder somebody. Oh. No, think of, you know what I'm going to tell you, don't you? Yes, I do. Because what he would do, before, not only would he murder the guy, but he wanted to make sure that the guy went to hell. And so what would he do before he murdered him? He'd buy him a prostitute. Thank you. Uh, get him a hotel room. Yep. And, and he'd, he'd tell the uh, assassin, the executioner, yep. give him about 10 minutes and this idiot's going to be naked with a prostitute. Yep. Then kick the door down, put a gun in his head and tell him. Al Capone says you die in mortal sin and pull the trigger and yeah, send him to hell. Right. That's my point. Go ahead, yeah. yes. So this, uh, the article says this is why the most formidable obstacle to such cultural revolutions is not so much a party or a movement as it is the faith and the family. Of course, parties and movements are crucial in supporting and protecting both religion and family life. Their importance should not be underestimated. That's right. But the greatest triumph of such cultural revolutions is the total absorption of a person's interior life into the political life. Yep. For the revolution seeks to envelop each one of us to leave no thought unpossessed by ideology. For example, most everyone, even the most devoted progressive, knows the transgender swimmer Leah Thomas is a man. <laughs> but many have decided their political self must conquer the truth they know in their core. It is a sort of giving over to the self, uh, the giving over of self to the party, a giving over to a, of self to a lie. 
you can draw out the spiritual implications from there. Though it has been a long march, the current sense of ambush cannot be altogether explained by negligent denial. There has been indeed a steady war of, of position in institutions that was plain to see. What wasn't as plainly evident was the degree to which the ideological capture had reached the neighbors, friends, and family members. Like bankruptcy, the warning signs were somewhat clear, but still it happened slowly and then all at once. Some key figures converging to hasten this later stage are the rise of big tech, family chaos, and the redefining of the person as either victim or transgressor. St. John Paul said it, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And this article is pointing out how the family got destroyed by our culture. Continue, Jess. Yeah, uh, the article talks about big tech. The possibilities for control enabled by dizzying tech advances have precipitously accelerated, accelerated the long march. The collusion of tech, government, and social platforms to surveil, censor, and target citizens and to preserve government-preferred narratives is truly dystopian. The reach of big tech is not only broad and sweeping, but also personal and granular. It is evident in the young tech and the young girl addicted to TikTok and Instagram with all their attending anxieties and isolation. Its reach is clear in the soaring rates of that same demographic seeking gender transition or the lowering ages at which boys and girls are easily exposed to the most violent and dehumanizing sorts of pornography. In ways both vast and minute, the advances of tech serve to exp expedite revolutionary aims. That last sentence is powerful. It's very powerful. And think about the suicide rate, how high it is on our young people. And they try to live vicariously in lives because they see too much of the videos from the YouTube and from all the other uh, social media, it ruins their life. Okay. The next part is called family chaos. Yep. And then it talks about the victimhood culture. And then it talks about fetishizing transgressions. But the, because of the lack of time, I want to get to the, the, the meat of it, which is how do we rebuild from here? Exactly. Rebuilding. Four minutes. Hit it. The good news is, that in such a climate, many are looking anew and with greater seriousness and hunger for spiritual answers yep. and an ordered life. Yes. Increasingly, people come to seek the good because they begin to see the, the undeniable reality of great evil. That's right. Once convinced of that, they need somewhere to turn. Certainly reaching them can be the slow work of friendship or mentorship, but we also ought not to cede to ideologues the vision of the good life in the cultural imagination. This is one of the reasons why visuals are key to our theology of home project. People need to see good things in body to recognize them as beautiful. <laughs> uh, the, the ideologue's vision, in contrast, does not extend beyond destruction, the destabilizing of institutions, and the severing of our deepest longings from the God who is the object of all longings. In rejecting the reality of the immaterial, we lose all perspective on the material world. Those who have not succeeded, succumbed excuse me, to the atheistic materialism of the revolutionaries have a powerful advantage of being able to take both worlds seriously and present a vision that awakens the interior life in each person that the long march seeks to extinguish. Many good things are being built and beautified to this end. 
But each of us can work immediately to shore up the family, That's right. that ever ancient, ever new institution that is, mo- that is most deeply human. Invest in your family, invite others in, and find mutual supportive communities to weather whatever storm is to come. The family is often called a domestic church. In today's raised and ravaged landscape, a happy family is more akin to a cathedral, drawing people in and pointing them above. Uh, the, the takeaway is turn your family into a domestic church. Be the St. Joseph of your, of your house. Just like it says in the book of Joshua 24, it's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I might add also the liturgy, and it applies to the liturgy, the sacred liturgy. Make sure you bring your family to a mass that's reverent, okay? Yes. Because what happens is the way you worship is the way you believe. And so this all applies to family life. And so mom and dad... If you, you know, here at our Sacred Heart Chapel, we have the Anglican Ordinariate. We have the Melkite Rite. They're both beautiful masses. Check it out because this is where your family will be formed in right worship. And this is why it's important to get that right. Jess, when we come back, priest debunks the claims of sound of freedom. Is political, calls all to watch it and to protect human life. Think about this. This movie was ready five years ago. Why did it take so long? Pretty obvious, isn't it? Nobody wanted to, to Nobody pick it up. Nobody wanted to hear the news. Nope. Nope, because too many people are in power, and it's exposing their actions in it. Stay with us, family. We'll be back more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. There's a Catholic priest who's uh, Father Leo. He's a Philippine priest. Father Leo Patalingug. <laughs> he's on EWTN. He's a good Catholic yeah. priest. He's a, he's a moral theologian, uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's Orthodox. He's one, of the, he's one of the good guys. This, this Catholic priest debunks claims that Sound of Freedom is political, and he's calling all Catholics to watch it. And to protect human life. Here's what he said, Father Leo Petalingun. He says, I'm grateful we're pointing a finger to what the real problem is. The lack of dignity of human life at all stages, Mm -hmm. especially with the most vulnerable in the world. The Sound of Freedom, a movie based on the life-saving mission of former government agent Tim Ballard, hit theaters theaters on July 4th. The film starring Jim Caviezel is a hot topic across the nation as it exposes the scourge of child trafficking. Yep. These guys, they, they picked the scab, Terry. Yep. Father Leo Patalingug uh, recently explained what he thinks of the film. He, he's the priest who has a faith-based cooking show on EWTN. Mm-hmm. He explains why the movie's message is not political, but, a, a, but an important message for everyone to see and understand. He said this. He said, we need to do something about this problem. Talking about... The, the scourge of child trafficking. He says a lot of people have accused this movie as being QAnon, in other words, right-wing yeah. uh, propaganda. Uh, but honestly, the movie is far from political. Father Leo said both sides of the aisle believe that child trafficking is a real epidemic. It is worse now with the slavery of children than it was than it was when slavery was legal. Yes, good point. He says, can you imagine parents? Just losing your children to something as evil and as devastating as child trafficking. Father Leo then encourages his audience to watch the, to watch the movie, talk, and pray about the film. 
he says, he, he, he texts these responses. He says, he texts the following quote. People will talk about the merits of the film, the technicalities. It's a well-produced film. I think there was a lot of good acting. It was filmed beautifully. Here's another text. It was hard to watch because the truth is sometimes hard to watch. Another text. It's like a doctor looking at a disease and realizing that we need to do something about it. And we need to do something about this problem that is highlighted in this film with Eduardo Verastegui as well as Jim Caviezel. Another text. These are two prominent Catholic artists and they have gotten involved with Angel Studios, the producers of The Chosen. Another text. They really want to remind us that God's children are not for sale. Amen. For not for sale. That's a great line. Amen. A lot of people have accused this movie as being QAnon adjacent, but honestly, the movie is far from political. Another text. Both sides of the, um, uh, yeah, another text. Uh, yeah. Both sides of the aisle believe that child trafficking is a real epidemic. It's worse now. Okay, I said that. Another text. An American in particular is the largest consumer of child trafficking and child enslavement unfortunately, for sexual purposes. What's that Another, say about our culture, Jesse? And don't forget, Mexico is one who's producing it, right? Country of yep. Mexico. Go ahead. Yep, and why are they producing it? I'll tell you why. Because Mexico is run by satanic cartel. Yes, they make, they're making actually more money on, on this uh, than, drugs. than the yeah. drugs. Yeah, but they're Satanists. And remember, Satan has always hated children. Yeah. So the Satanists in Mexico, the seven cartel families who are saying, forget drugs, This is more, there's more money in this. Uh, they're totally behind this and the Mexican government, which is run by Masons, they just kind of turn a blind eye to it because the Masons have no problem with this either. Uh, Another text. So in order to watch this film, I have to recommend you have to have a sensitive soul, but a thick skin and don't let the emotions and the ugliness prevent you from watching it. Another text. In fact, I encourage families and, and especially parents to watch it, to talk to your children about this real issue, to do what you can do to protect them and also to pray. Another text, I know a lot of people will say, you're a Catholic priest and your church, your church has done so many terrible things. Another text, and this is absolutely true. Thankfully, the Catholic Church teaches against this evil and has taken great steps to, to, to improve and to try to try to prevent this. And you know what? We've, we've got a long way to go, Amen. said Father, but we're the only institution doing it. Hollywood needs to do it. Politics needs to do it. Universities need to do it. Every institu- public schools need to do it. Every institution needs to look deeply and find out if this is a problem because I can tell you it really is. And so I think that we've got to, what we've got to do is to become the storytellers for these children and for those underprivileged families who are struggling. Can you imagine parents losing their children to something as evil and as devastating as child trafficking? But this is a real problem. And Father Leo says, and I'm not only grateful that I watched the film, because it has informed me and my prayer, I am grateful that we're pointing a finger to what the real problem is. The lack of dignity of human life at all stages, and especially with the most vulnerable in the world. Uh, he, uh, Father Leo says, I, 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 I give a strong recommendation for you to watch and to talk about and pray about this film, The Sound of Freedom. Terry? Jesse, I've been watching a lot of YouTube interviews of women who were part of that uh, trafficking and they got out of it, okay? And they went back to their parents to forgive them. These are people who have found Christ, and they said that I have to go forgive my parents. And many of these have a constant theme, and this is why I say it's demonic, because when they went to their parents and said, I know what you did, and I'm here to tell you I forgive you, but what you did was wrong. And the response from the parents, Jesse, I didn't do anything wrong. See, that shows me the conscience 
of the parents, it's gone. So what are they worshiping that they can be that far out to not realize when they sold their children to make money as sex objects and they come back as an adult to say, I forgive you, and they say, there's nothing to forgive. I, I didn't do anything wrong. You know what that reminds me? A McCarrick, Cardinal McCarrick. Mm. All the evil. So what is consistent? Here, Jesse, he, can't rem- he can't remember anything. Yeah, but, They've asked him. I, I don't remember anything. What are you talking tell about? Tell me, Jesse, if this is if I'm on to something. And if I'm wrong, right on the air, tell me. But I really wonder if a lot of these responses, when they get exposed to, to the evil that they're doing, that they're so far steeped into evil and committed to demonic actions that they just don't see what they're doing now. They've gotten that far off, and they're into the occult, and so they don't see anything that they do as being objectively wrong. Is that because they've been sold a bill of goods with the devil? That's my take. Yeah, there, there comes a point in time, just like you saw in the movie Nefarious. Yes, remember. Yeah, we're, we're nefarious to demon. He gives, he gives a psychology of temptation, and it was, it was masterful. Standing, yes. Yeah, he, he said that first, what a demon does is they give you a series of temptations, and then they see if you bite, basically, yeah. if you cede to the temptation. Right. And then they'll say, okay, all right, he gave us permission. He said yes, so they project another temptation. Ah, the person said yes. They so the inta- the temptations nefarious. The demon said they start increasing in quantity and in intensity until you come to the point where these series of permissions, yes, 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 to these temptations, which you've done, is you've given a demon a particular demon control uh, of your life. That's called they call that subjugation, where there's just there's just so much. There's so much uh, psychological compatibility between the human person. There's series of yeses. Yes, yes. There's, those series of yeses become permissions. And the demon, they're just inching their way into your life. And they get, as the Bible says, there's a verse in the book of Ephesians where St. Paul says, do not give the devil a toehold or some translations say a stronghold. Yeah. And, uh, and how does that happen? It happens by just a series of temptations. And this will start by, for example, just maybe just starting off watching pornography. Then you get bored of seeing naked women. Said, I want to watch, I don't know, maybe child porn. And you start watching that. I said, wow, this is, this is, this is dark. Now you go to the internet and start, hey, I want to watch it live and on, a, on a screen. Oh, now I want to go to a chat room. So it's these series of temptations that are set up by Satan and people fall into them. This is how people end up uh, becoming uh, high-level child molesters and, 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 uh, and, and, and Jeffrey Epstein's. And Jesse, let's be honest. Those things happen when you're not living a sacramental life oh. because you have no yeah. uh, will. You're powerless. You're powerless. Exactly. Powerless. And that's why confession is so important. Matter of fact, I'm going to lunch in five minutes at the priest who's a salt priest and he's a, an expert on the Ignatian spiritual exercises. Guess what I'm going to ask him to do before we go to lunch? Father, can mm. we go into the confessional? I need to go to confession because mm. I want to go to confession on a regular basis because I know mm. I need not only protection but to stay away from serious sin. This is the way to go. Folks, I was with Bishop Strickland yesterday. You know what he told me? He said, Terry, I feel so much better. I went to confession before the broadcast. See, this is what That's we need. That's such a holy man right Yeah, now. we need that, Jesse, because guess what? As you try to re- reach holiness, you realize how easy it is to offend our Lord.
Okay? That's why we need confession. So getting back to the pornography issue, folks, if you, if, and I get these calls all the time from guys. I always ask them, when was the last time you went to confession? I can't remember. And you wonder why you're being maligned with pornography and mm. you're doing all these bad things. Dude, you got to get back right with God because you won't have the power without the graces of God in you to say no to yourself. Okay, I said it. It's like trying to climb a mountain without a rope. <laughs> exactly. There's a you good know, analogy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. it, it, it won't it work. Just, it's not, it's not going to happen. No. And, and uh, as Catholics, also remember, Terry, Tell me. is that there's a lot of demons in the Old Testament that were specifically demons that wanted child sacrifice, like, like Moloch and, and Baphomet and Baal, who we reject, rebuke, and renounce in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, these demons, remember, they're like angels. They don't die. Right. They're going to live forever. And what's happened is because our country... We've rejected God. Yep. We have. We, we've basically kicked God out of, of American culture. And so what happens? Well, it's just like what the Bible says. God got, Jesus cast out a demon. The house is now cleansed and it's, it's, it's put in order. But now the house must be adorned with virtue. St. Saint, Saint John Chrysostom says, if it's not, what happens? That demon will come back with seven other friends even stronger. Right. What's happened in America is because since the 60s, basically through judicial fiat, we've kicked God out. And so have the Democrats, especially. They're the party that wants nothing to do with God. Right. As a result of that, and they're in power right now. Yep. As a result of that, Terry, th we have... We have these 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 demons from the Old Testament, they've come back seven times stronger in America because we've rejected God. The house was slept clean once upon a time, but now because we haven't adorned America with virtue, now these demons have come back with seven more friends, and this is what we're dealing with. And I would even add that the issue of the sacrament of confession not being celebrated at all has also added to the devil's effectiveness in oh, yeah. the church. Hey, up next, Dr. Sandoval, follow us. He's going to be talking on purgatory, so you want to meet the good doctor here on VMPR. Get your uh, free app by going to vmpr.org. Guess what state should we be living in, brother? Every time I read my Bible and my catechism, it says to live in a state of grace. And uh, every time I read my catechism and my Bible, it tells me don't live in a state of mortal sin. Catholics, become holy or die trying. Amen. Don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Mom, Dad, the kids, we can all unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Up next, Dr. Sandoval is going to be talking on purgatory. Stay with us.